Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Paral Singh on and she's a tech recruiter. Hiya. Hi Daniel, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. You? Good, good, very well, thank you. It's quite early in the morning for both of us, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, we usually do these in the evening, but I'm excited <laughs> to have a chat with you today. Um, so do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so I've been a tech recruiter for just hitting like three and a half years now. And um, up till very recently, I have been an agency recruiter. Um, and I am in garden leave at the moment at the time of recording this podcast. Um, and then the start of March, I'll be joining an internal role. So tech recruitment is a pretty busy space at the moment, isn't it? There's a lot going on in tech, a lot of hires yeah. going on. Yes. Um, I think depending on what industry you're in, obviously with me being a tech recruiter, there's never really been a better time to actually be in this industry. When the demand for the roles that you are recruiting for goes up, the demand for tech recruiters goes up as well. <laughs> so why why tech? Why, why did you choose that out of all the roles you could go into? It was completely by accident. Um, and I genuinely like I was at first I was questioning I was like oh why did I go into tech recruitment I don't know anything about this and now looking at the market I'm like I'm so glad that I did so what happened was I basically I went to university I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do um, most of my family are doctors and um, they don't know anything about my like industry or you know or any others to be honest outside of their kind of like remit so um, I went and I did a degree in chemistry so I've got a master's in that um, I just picked it because it was my strongest subject at <laughs> university. Really, really enjoyed it. But when I started looking at like my career prospects and what I could do in the future, um, there were two very clear ones. One would either be working in a lab, which would be quite isolated. Um, if I'm honest, not not great pay most <laughs> of the time. Wanted to make a little bit more money. Um, and also, you know, the other one would have been going into teaching. So I quickly decided that I wasn't going to go into anything related to my degree. Took a look up a month off after I finished and I was like panicking. It was like August. So I was like, <laughs> okay, right, I'm running out of money. So I literally went onto like a graduate jobs.co.uk or something. And I just started applying for jobs. And then I got invited to this interview and I had to go all the way to Leeds for it. And it was the um it was an interview for the company that I stayed in first for um about a year and a half. So there is recruitment for literally every industry, anywhere where you've got to hire you can go into recruitment um so I did question a little bit in the first month because it was quite a learning curve and mm. um, but like I said because like the demand is so high you know you can obviously you can make good money and you know that your job is pretty much always secure if anything happened with my job I know I could literally walk into another one within the space of a couple of weeks and I think that's a very good position to be in I think sometimes you know we've had a few different recruiters on um, and sometimes you get a bit of a bad rap um, which, yeah. is, which is unfair in some circumstances but yeah. it is quite a brutal industry if you're not I think you have to be quite extroverted would you agree um relatively so I think most of the people that I have met in recruitment are generally quite extroverted however I have met and worked with quite a few people who are more on the introverted side mm -hmm. so it's not to say that you cannot be successful if you're not you know super outgoing and really chatty my partner for example he is almost like the opposite personality to me and um, he's a lot quieter and you know he's one of like the best recruiters that I've ever met so I think it definitely helps but it's not to say like oh, I'm a little bit more introverted but I really like everything else about it can I not go into it absolutely not the case 
I guess it's quite a good industry to learn about rejection as well, right? Because you have to reach <laughs> yeah. out to a lot of people. And a lot, you know, some people um, don't want to talk to recruiters. So how do you yeah. learn to deal with that? Yeah, I think definitely I would say I'm quite a sensitive person. I can take things a little bit personally sometimes, but um, over sort of like the months and the years, um, I learned how to grow quite a bit of like a thick skin. And generally what I found now is because, um, you know, I'm quite positioned in kind of like my industry and the community, generally quite a well-respected person. I don't tend to get people being nasty to me, but it did happen quite a bit in the first job. Mm. So if you feel like you are somebody who cannot get used to that, I mean, nobody likes rejection all the time, right? Mm. Um, but if you're somebody that thinks that, like, I'm really, really going to struggle with this and I'm going to take it personally, it might not necessarily be the right thing for you. And as you progress in your career, you become more credible, you become better at what you do. Those rejections do become a little bit less and I mean there's two sides of that right one would be you know either cold calling people they can be a little bit standoffish they can mm. get a little bit nasty sometimes it's just sending out a lot of like LinkedIn messages and just getting ignored um, and then there's the other side which is like your candidates being rejected from your clients so you have to get used to like all of those different aspects of it and I always say that it's the recruitment roller coaster, right? The highs are so pronounced, like, mm. and the lows can be like so low. And you can literally go through that cycle multiple times in a day. Mm. So, if like learning how to appreciate the highs and kind of like, I almost like bottle up that feeling of, you know, when somebody gets an offer, somebody accepts or have had a really good call, you have to learn how to celebrate the small wins to be able to get you through those troughs. Yeah. And um, what's the kind of skill set that you have to build up to become a good recruiter? Because, you know, from somebody who's outside of the industry, I, I don't know if you build a particular skill set. Is it down to luck or is it down to reputation? What do you do to become a better recruiter? So I think the role of a recruiter has changed drastically since COVID. And I think that's quite um, quite important to talk about. So um, before COVID, um, there were a lot of companies that were what we call like boiler room recruitment. It's mm -hmm. very much about like KPIs and cold calls and, you know, getting CVs and getting candidates. Now the role of a recruiter has changed so much. So we become people who are advocates. We become brand ambassadors. We run events. So I'm quite active on LinkedIn. I bring out a lot of content to the community so some of the really good skills to have I think one that has helped me massively in this career is being able to spark up a relationship and build rapport with people that I have never met before in my life mm. and I knew I would always be really good at this because I would always be that person who you can take to a party where I don't know any other people and you can leave me on my own for a couple of hours I will be absolutely okay because <laughs> I know how to know how to ask people about themselves and mm. um, and to be a good recruiter and be well respected you want to make people feel like they are not just a number that you're not just trying to hit a KPI that you generally care about what they've done over the weekend and what they do outside of work so that's a great skill to have being very organized so day to day your schedule will constantly change like your to-do list will be ever growing and I had to realize that I'm never going to get to the bottom of it <laughs> so um I don't know if like I've mentioned this to you before or whether you've seen it on my LinkedIn so I um just about a year ago I got diagnosed with ADHD mm -hmm. which explains a lot um <laughs> But I've been able to use it to my advantage. So I've basically like built like systems and ways to organize myself and to do lists to work to the best of my benefit. But I would say before that I was much less 
aware of it. So I'm always looking at different like techniques and tools. So I use Notion quite a bit. Okay. Um, so even if you're not in recruitment, don't use it. <clears throat> There's loads of like Notion templates um, that you can use to sort of like organize your life, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, I think just the resilience is like a really big one as well. Just being able to like forget that, you know, you've had a rejection here or had somebody, um, you know, be not, not so nice here because you get to really enjoy like the good parts of it. Cool. And I think you have to genuinely enjoy what you're doing. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get through the day to day. So I fell into the industry, but the reason I've stayed in it so long is I've really fallen in love with that feeling about being able to help people, mm. even if I don't necessarily make any money from it as well. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I'll introduce people kind of a bit informally. I'll give people some career advice or I'll help them with their CV. And that feeling of being able to help people, which I necessarily didn't really have like growing up, is like a really nice feeling. So if you feel like that's kind of what's going to get you up in the morning, they do pretty well. <laughs> so what is an average day like for a recruiter? You know, what are some of the tasks that you're actually having to do? So every day varies and it will highly depend on what your demand is like at the time. And I think it's also important to preface this with that there are lots of different roles within recruitment. So just before I go into that, so you've got um you've got like agency, you've got internal, you've got embedded talent and main kind of differences are so I'm what's called a three six well I was what's called a 360 recruiter mm -hmm. and so that's related to like the degrees so what a 360 recruiter does is they build relationships with the clients get them signed on like pull the jobs work the jobs you know get them the candidates basically everything and then you've also got what's called a 180 recruiter so you can do either side of that so either business development bringing in the clients and then you can also do just mostly like the sourcing so you'll get given the jobs and you work them them. so <clears throat> depending on what kind of like role you're in and um, your job is going to be like reaching out to people on LinkedIn and um, it's going to be headhunting candidates that um through lots of different methods so I think we're kind of like <clears throat> particularly the industry that I'm in we've moved away from the age of just cold calling I've done yeah. very few cold calls over the past year like I do so much on LinkedIn so it's all about like building your network on LinkedIn connecting with young people starting a starting a conversation with them maybe just approaching them about some roles seeing if they're interested and then it's qualifying the candidates it's vetting them it's getting their CV ready getting it over to the client then the client gives you feedback and then you organize like the interview so honestly I feel like for my clients and candidates I'm a bit of like a personal PA <laughs> um you also you know you need to be like a bit of a cheerleader as well there's some candidates who do lack some confidence so it's like hyping them up along like the process as yeah. well and then it's managing all of like the interviews you'll get people like dropping out and you'll get like no shows like that happens like all the time um and then it's getting feedback on both sides and then <clears throat> what we do is like we, we call it like closing a candidate so mm -hmm you know once you've had a few people interview you know your client will basically work out you know who they basically want to make an offer to and then it's all about getting the candidate closed and then you do all the admin after that as well so you know you get all of like the paperwork sorted you also have to keep in touch with the candidate through their notice period as well you know just in case like something comes up or like they change their mind so you get involved if you're a 360 recruiter you'll get involved in pretty much every aspect of it fair bit of admin involved as well you know you want to start building up like your crm as well you know with your managers with your companies your candidates and as i mentioned earlier in the podcast as well and um, it's becoming more prevalent in the industry but a lot of like companies and recruiters will also do a lot of events so like day to day um i was doing like podcasts like this i was running my own tech 
podcast as well, um, which I can send you some links for if you want to put in the description. Yeah, definitely. I was wondering, um, so especially at the start of COVID, you know, a lot of businesses had a big hiring freeze and I had just joined a new company as a startup, as their first hire. So it was all about like, right, how can we get the business in? So I had an idea to run these like roundtable events. So it would be like a small group of like eight, 10 people in leadership roles. And then we talk about different topics. And that was one of my favorite, I did them every single month for the past almost two years. And that was my favorite parts of it. So there's a lot more to the role than just kind of like getting CVs off job boards, giving them a call, sending them over to clients. And I think your role is pretty much what you make it. A lot of companies will, if you start off as a graduate, you don't know what you're good at. They don't know what you're good at. But a lot of companies will help you identify where your strengths are and potentially help you move into a different role, depending on what you're really good at. So if I was going to say an agency recruitment, I would have probably gone into business development because I literally, I could bring on clients like that. Like they would message me um, instead of having to like pitch them. So whatever kind of like role that you go into, there's always plenty of internal mobility as well. I think you're a really good example of what we talk about a lot on this podcast. And that's um, something we've had. We've had a few people on actually that specialize in it called personal branding. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you, what you've just talked about there is basically what we always talk about. And we say to people, look, you need to actually build a personal brand if you want to get into mm-hmm. industries. Like you just said, you've had people reach out to you. You yeah. know, you, you're not even going looking for the business. So people should yeah. take that on board when they're looking for jobs as well. Right. And building mm-hmm. a personal brand, like say for a tech in, in tech, for example, if mm-hmm. you saw someone on LinkedIn doing personal branding and you've got a job and you're like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to ask them if they want a new job. Yeah. That, yeah. How, how important is that? Absolutely massive. Again, I think it's become like so much of a bigger thing since COVID. Everybody can benefit from having a personal brand and it's given me opportunities from honestly all angles that I could never have imagined so you know almost like two years ago I started asked to do some like um you know public speaking so I've spoken on panels I've spoken on like women in tech events I've spoken for some like very big events and doing my first in-person conference um for women in tech in a month as well so getting your face out there a little bit more and um, obviously, I was, um, you know, interviewing recently as well. Every single role that I interviewed for all came through a referral from people in my network. I did not um, actually have to apply to any jobs or funnily enough work with like any recruiters. Like I got all of those from my network. I was interviewing for like Facebook and, you know, I got two really good offers that I don't think I'd have had the opportunity for. So especially if you're working in tech, you're very like high demands, but you start putting your face out there. A personal brand is basically like, what do you want to be known for? Mm. So I set out, I wanted to be known for being the recruiter that actually cares, that you know will help you, even if I may not make any money from it. I wanted to be a mental health advocate. I wanted to be an ADHD advocate since I got my diagnosis. And one of the really big ones as well, which is I think a little bit unusual for recruiters, is I actually started learning to code about two years ago as well. Oh wow! And then people, yeah. So now my kind of tagline is the recruiter that codes, and people know me because of that. Like it's genuinely insane, and you can pick the avenues that you like as well. You know, people might be a little bit more introverted. So um, building your online personal brand is amazing. Maybe you don't want to do talks. Maybe you don't want to do podcasts, but you can start building your brand on LinkedIn. I found Twitter is absolutely amazing as well, particularly within the tech industry. Like if you like making videos, you can do YouTube. I know somebody who does a podcast, he does like TikToks as well. And so the different platforms that are available to you, you can find one that works for you. 
And what kind of job is it? Because uh, I have a friend who works in recruitment and before COVID, he said he would regularly go out and be meeting clients or candidates yeah. for a coffee or a beer or whatever. Yeah. Um, how much has that changed and how much of the job is office based now? Oh, that is a good question. So before COVID, if you were if you were to find a role that even offered one day a week remote, I would, you know, honestly, I could count them on like one hand. And um, because of the way that the industry is, you know, I would always say that it's been like quite traditional and always a little bit behind all of the others. So since COVID, um, most of the roles and companies that I am aware of are either office or hybrid, but there are plenty of remote roles available too. Like the last company that I was working for were like completely remote first. And um, I got obviously a lot of messages in my inbox as well. And um, they're like some remote roles there. So the industry does tend to be on the younger end of like the spectrum because it's a lot of graduates but there's plenty of people that have been in this industry for decades and you know when you're in you know your late 20s 30s 40s you don't necessarily want that kind of like offense environment you know you're a little bit mature you don't want to go out for drinks every other night you may you might have like kids at home so there are definitely a lot of roles available but they do tend to be office or hybrid based Okay, interesting. And for you, what would be the biggest positive you've personally taken out of working in recruitment? I think it's opened a lot of doors for me. So as I said, you know, I was working in agency recruitment and I decided to go internal. So the company that I am joining, I've, I've made it quite clear that I really enjoy coding and I would absolutely love to potentially consider a future within that. They actually have a perfect example of how they've been able to make this transition. So there was a guy that was working in the talent acquisition team. Mm-hmm. He started learning um, things like iOS development, I believe, and he basically went 50-50. So he's doing like half in recruitment half this week in um, software engineering and then made the transition automatically if I were to do that alone firstly it would be very difficult to juggle both you know if I was learning full-time in the evenings mm. um, and then also you know taking a little bit of like a drop in salary so it can open those kinds of like doors for you and I think the direction that my career can take you know I'm at the point where I'm thinking you know what what could be next and I think my dream would either be to either go into tech and I'd love to be like a people manager within that or I can go down like the people route so I could you know in a good couple of years is maybe become like a chief of chief people officer or something so it honestly opens so many doors and so many opportunities for you because all of the skills that you learn are so transferable like if you can put up with people in recruitment you can put up with them in pretty much any industry (laughs) and then and one of the big ones, which is part of the reason a lot of people go into it, it's not been the reason I've said, is of course, like the money. Mm. You can make like pretty good money very quickly. Um, you know, I I think a couple of months ago, I mean, so I was 25 at the time, I literally almost tripled my salary in the space wow. of 12 months which yeah is quite difficult to do in any other kind of like career you know you're getting like two three k pay rises like Mm. here and there but I never really wanted to be in a job where I've got I've got a good work ethic and I think which has been instilled in me from my parents very hard workers and they moved over to this country when they were like 27 28 Mm -hmm. and and the work ethic that I've always had is never wanted to be working with people who are doing less work in the same job but we're being paid the same yeah so you've got your base salary and then you've got like your commission and bonus as well so what you make is a direct like correlation 
to the kind of work that you put in and how good you are at your job. So I think that's probably one of the best things about the industry. And then the, one of the biggest ones, one of the reasons that I've really stayed in here this long, because it is a tough job, is the friendships that I've been able to build. Mm. So I have people who, you know, I go on like nights out with and like brunches and I'm meeting up with a few people for coffee and being able to make friends in an industry, you know, where you're like really like-minded. And I would hope those people would probably consider me the same. Yeah. Um, is again, it's like really rewarding. And um, sorry, one more as well. Because I have ADHD, it can sometimes work against me. You have to really learn about yourself and what works best for you. But I think it's been amazing. So, you know, if anybody's, you know, like neurodivergent, there's plenty of really good companies in this industry who will support you with that. So my new employer knows that I have ADHD and we're just going to work out what is best. I think the variety and the fast pace works very well because I get bored easily. So it keeps me on my toes. So that's some of like my favorite things about the industry. And on the flip side of that, what's something that's maybe less favorable? Um, it can be hard work sometimes. It can be like some longer hours, depending on, you know, if you've got like a volume of roles, you know, there was a period maybe around like a year ago, I was getting like a lot, a lot of roles through from clients as their like budgets were being approved for the new financial year. So sometimes you have to be prepared to do a little bit more. But again, if you're in a good company, they will understand that when things calm down, you need to just take it easy a little bit. Instead of constantly like working at it, it can be quite stressful as we said you know there are a lot of peaks and troughs and I remember quite vividly there was last year there was a few months that I was, you know I had a bit of a wobble and um, I'd got an offer from a client you know which I really needed and the candidate accepted and then he ended up taking a counter offer and I think that really got to me you know I mm. think it definitely set me back like a good couple of months but I had the same thing happen again basically in October and I kind of like hmm, that's a bit annoying but I'm going to move on so you do learn to kind of live with it but it doesn't ever become like easy you know nobody really wants to get um a bit of a rejection and I think one of the maybe a bit of a negative spin it into a positive is there are a lot of companies out there who are not great recruitment companies so if you're listening to this and you're thinking hey do you know what that sounds like a bit of me I'm you know quite chatty I'd love to build relationships I want to go into it you need to be very careful around doing the research around the companies that you are potentially joining there are a lot who will potentially sell you a dream oh you can make this much money in like your first year I remember that with my first company and I know that there were very few people that actually made that kind of number mm. so it was more of like an ideal handful of people making their first year um so that's possibly like one of them and another thing is is that relating to the you know being able to make what you want to make directly as an output of your work I got a bit addicted to it because I kept thinking you know if I do an extra hour of work a day I can make this much more money if I fill this job I get this fee mm. and you can and especially because I was really enjoying what I was doing I didn't think of it as work you can get entangled and you know I did have quite a few periods of like burnout as well but that was more not because of like my company or the work it was just the pressure that I was putting on myself as well sure and we've kind of touched on this uh previously let's talk a bit more in depth about salary expectations what you can get when you start and how you can progress in sort of salary I guess it's difficult in recruitment because a lot of it's based on commission Mm -hmm. right yeah, of course. So um, I got some figures recently. So um, just so you're aware as well, there are basically recruiters that place recruiters. They are called Rec to Rec, like the number two. Yeah. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's very interesting. A bit of like Inception, really. So I spoke to a couple <laughs> of Rec to Rec to Recs. 
um, asking for some of like the updated numbers as well um, because obviously I'm not going into agency and the market has changed so if you're going in at like entry level you're looking at a base salary of maybe between sort of like 19 to 22 and um, when you get promoted to consultant that can be any time between roughly six to 12 months you're looking at about 25 to 30 for seniors so I was a senior when I left you're looking between 30 and 40 and then like 40 plus for management and then 50 plus for like associate director and I know people that have gone to management you know I got to senior in three years I know people that get into management into like a few years so they're kind of the time scales that you're looking at and this is just your base salary so this is what you're taking home every month and then you've also got commission and bonus so this varies like company to company but for example if you place a candidate we charge the client around 20 percent of their salary for one year so if I've got a candidate on 70K, which was generally what I placed people on, the fee was 14K. Out of that 14K you generate for the business, you get a slice of that pie. Mm -hmm. So dependent on your position. So I'll explain it for my last company. It's a bit easier to explain. So for my last company, sorry, the first one that I joined, mm -hmm. it will be like 10% for sort of like entry level. It goes up to like 15, 17 and a half. And then you get that sort of like fee, you know, once the candidate starts and the client has paid. So... You know, so like my base salary in the last place, um, it was a little bit lower because it was like startup, but my commission was good. So I was on like 25% because senior. And then, um, like I said, you know, I was taken home and, um, you know, roughly around like 55 at the point that I was leaving. So wow. for somebody who's like, you know, three, three and a half years out of like university, it's not bad. And you can easily reach, you know, those like six figures as well. And once you get into management, you're a lot more hands off. So it's all about managing your team, coaching the team, managing like processes. So, you know, you can easily be in like 80, 100, 120, doing a lot less of like the heavy lifting. So it is very ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> and what's something that's probably not in the job description, but you have to deal with? Um, so again, something that like I touched on, there are very few like companies that will actually put it into the job description, but like building that brand and being a bit of an ambassador as well. So it's up to you to make this job what you want it. Like I said to you, it was my idea to start running the roundtables about two years ago. So it's about getting the people invited, it's about running the events. And because I was in a startup, I literally did the job of like three, four people. So you're doing the events, you're doing the marketing, you're doing admin, you know, sometimes accounts and chasing the fees as well. So they're kind of the stuff that like maybe isn't necessarily making you any money, but you can get caught up with like day to day. And I think sometimes just, being a bit of an emotional support to people as well so you know especially got those people that are maybe a little bit early in their career they're not really used to like the rejection and they've had an interview with your client that they really want and you know that you have to deliver that feedback you really have to be so empathetic and deliver the feedback in a constructive way and provide them that support as well because it's never nice you know getting told that you know, you've got this final interview for a company that you really wanted the job and you're not going to get it. So it is being a little bit of a friend. And I've never seen that in the job description before. You know, be mm -hmm. nice, be kind to people, be friends with people, support them along their journey. You never see that, but it is a huge part of it. And they will respect you so much more for it. And they tend to be the people that always keep coming back, you know, another six, 12 months down the line when they might be looking again. Sure. And how does somebody begin to progress once they're actually in the industry? So this is one of the things that I love the most about this industry because it is very numbers based, which is a good and a bad thing, right? But 
the progression is so good because it is just based around those figures when you're in other roles and you know other industries and, and companies it can be a little bit vague about kind of like what metrics you have to hit and it's very subjective whereas in recruitment um, it tends to be on like your numbers so for example in my last company it was mainly based around like my billings so how much money have I brought into the company and I know once I hit this number I'm getting promoted and I'm going to make more money which is amazing you can also base it around some of the other figures you know like jobs pulled clients terms signed meetings done calls done like a lot of people have different factors so the criteria will change obviously dependent on your level you know if you're a rookie entry level the numbers are going to be a bit smaller then when you get to consultant they're going to want you to bill a little bit more and then when you get to senior and so forth but it is generally so well outlined and I remember going into my first role and they literally just gave me like a little bit of a folder for like training and things that I need to hit so it's so well documented that it means that people aren't you're going to get recognized for your hard work. You're going to get rewarded for it. And like nobody really gets left behind. So it's one of the best things about it. Brilliant. And would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? 100%. 100%. But did I think that when I just started off? So there was in my first month, I genuinely felt so out of my depth. Like I said mm. to you, I was like, tech recruitment, what is this? I don't know what .NET is. Like this <laughs> is, that was the first market I was like recruiting for. And it took me so long. And I think there's a statistic, which I can't quote, but it's quite a high percentage of people who drop out in their first year. And I don't necessarily think this is down to them and that the job isn't right for them. I think it tends to be about people do expect the really good money to start rolling in a lot faster because they see maybe other people making it or maybe they're not in the right company and they're not being supported. It's very KPI driven. Like it's a, it's a tough job, but if you can break through that, like one year mark like I honestly I would not look back it's been one of the most rewarding things that I have done and I've been able to get involved with so much more so outside of work like learning to code and like I said also mental health advocates so I've actually had training with mental health first aid as well I've been involved in like doing talks like the women in tech conference which is just absolutely huge for the point that I'm in in my career it is just amazing I don't think I'd have been able to do that otherwise and I also get to spend time like volunteering with organizations like Code Your Future who provides a coding education to people from disadvantaged backgrounds so that would be like and people living below the poverty line women refugees asylum yeah honestly it's incredible i'll send i'll pop for you the link as well if you want to pop it into the description so being able to do that it's not it's not a paid role it doesn't directly like benefit my work but again it's been like one of the most rewarding things to be able to actually give back so like i said a job in recruitment is absolutely what you make it i have all of these things because i put myself out there i wanted to get better i wanted to help more people so if I could look back on myself like a couple of years ago, I would say, Carol, you are definitely doing the right thing here. Like this is the job for you. So yeah, I would. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat. I think thank your you. advice has been brilliant and, and just loads of good points. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Great. And where can people find you, what you're up to and anything else? So uh, we can pop some links in the description, but I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, quite a bit on Twitter as well. So if anybody's listening to this, you'd like to maybe ask me some questions, my inbox is open. So just feel free to pop me a message on any of those. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.